Welcome to Summer Stream Live, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Here we discuss a different topic each week with local experts. At the end of every show, we'll have a trivia question with the chance to win a $20 gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. So stay tuned and be ready to call 772-3808 for your chance to win today. I'm Kari Peterson from the Petersburg Public Library, and on today's show, Coding and Engineering with Kids, I'll be talking with Kelly Wood about what coding is, the coding club she facilitates at the school, and fun projects and resources for parents and educators. Kelly is a rockfish, sorry, Kelly is a rockfish biologist working for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and frequently codes herself. She is also the facilitator. She is also the facilitator for the Girls Who Code Club for grades third to fifth at Stedman Elementary. The Girls Who Code Club is part of a national program that aims to close the gender gap between men and women in the field of computer science and engineering. So welcome, Kelly. Thanks, Kari. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. Um, <laughs> first, I let's start off with um, what is coding? The very basic. I I am guilty of having to had look this up. We have a we have a children's book in the library about it, and I read it, <laughs> and um, and it is what I thought. But it for a lot of people, it's it's just this mystery thing. Yeah. So when I actually started this club last year, um, that was a common question: what What exactly is coding? Um, so coding is another word. It can be another word for programming. And it's basically a language that consists of a series of words and characters. And it allows us to talk to a computer to build computer software. It can help us, um, make phone apps. We can make computers move with coding. Uh, we create websites with coding and for myself, I use coding at work for um, creating graphs and doing various data analyses. You can run models with coding. Um, just like people speak different languages, there are also various types of coding language that we can do use to do different tasks. Um, so can yeah. you give us some examples of those different languages? Sure, yeah. And Oh, and I, I just had to share this because I was pretty amazed. I actually had to Google this. But there are around 9,000 different coding languages that have been developed, wow. but approximately about 50 of those are commonly used. Okay. Some popular coding or programming language that people may have heard of um, would be SQL, Python, Java, HTML. Um, a lot of people will use HTML or JavaScript to make web pages. Um, if you want to query data from a database, you'll use coding like SQL. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of SQL. Some types of code that I use as a biologist. Um, one is called R, and the other one is Python. R is a coding language that um, a lot of scientists will use for statistics, creating plots and graphs. Um, you can use R... Uh, to all kinds of things. A lot of our biometricians will use R and it's a, it's a great program. So you can create this 
code takes a long time, but once you get it, it really saves you a lot of time and you can share that code with other people and they can run the same code. Um, and then Python is one that I use. Uh, it's a language that can be used to execute various programming tasks. A lot of my job requires me to do um, spatial analyses and map making software. And I can use Python to automate a lot of these steps in my mapping software. So those are just some, just a, just the little bit of coding um, that, that people can use. I'm sure there's a million out there that I, I'm not aware of myself. Yeah. So thank you for that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize the Java and the HTML yes. as, as things that I see commonly on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> in in different things. But, and we were just talking in the R. So the R is a coding language. It is. Okay. Yeah. So why is coding and engineering important for the future? So I think that learning to code and dabbling in engineering projects um, can help children problem solve um, because... Well, nobody's perfect, and we get things wrong a lot of times in coding and engineering, and I think that's a huge part of building strength in these skills and learning to problem solve. Um, I think problem solving and accessing those creative ideas, uh, that can be really important for really all aspects in our children's future. Um, just yesterday, I was trying to fix broken code in R, and, and I'm working from home, and, you know, my, my kids see what I do on a daily basis, and they, they saw me get pretty frustrated with, with my code, <laughs> but they also saw me work through it and fix it, so, so that was really good, too, and I, I think it shows that you can't give up, and, and if you keep working through something, you persevere, you, you get a, a really good final product. And, and you can feel really um, happy and, and, you know, confident in yourself. So the, uh, coding tends to bring that out in kids. And then also math is a huge proponent in both uh, coding and engineering. And a lot of research has shown that, you know, kids are falling behind in mathematics in the United States. And even that much more with female youth. So anything we can do to encourage the love, the interest building confidence through hands-on activities in these two subjects, um, I think it'll really take our kids far in the future. Um, yeah. and, then, and then we were talking earlier, you know, I, I use R, and I just started getting into coding myself last year um, because programming's becoming, and coding's becoming a, a big proponent of the sciences and mathematics. And um, I would encourage there are any high school students listening or even kids um, in college doing their general studies, if you're interested in science or math, um, I would just start dabbling with R because it is definitely something that more and more of us are using in um, the sciences. And can, can we talk about that a little bit more? Cause we were talking about that earlier and, yeah. um, and I really liked what you said there about I didn't understand until that conversation with you that um, people going into the scientists, like biologists, like you are a biologist and that's what you do. And 
but it's actually part of your job now doing some of this coding. And it's um, the way I had understood it is it is a lot of work up front, but then moving forward, it saves you a great amount of time for updating information, like probably annually, I would imagine. Right. So I have to present on um, yellow eye rockfish biomass every year to the federal government. And so I have to create this document. And every year we have to update, I don't know, there's like six or seven graphs that we have to update. And before we'd have to take that data into Excel and then create these graphs or other um, statistical software, graphing software. Um, and there wasn't a lot of accountability. You know, you just have to take it for one's word that the data is correct. But now with this R programming software, which is free, by the way, anybody can access this. Um, we create, we write up our code and you can get a lot of, there's a ton of resources on Google, <laughs> which we use frequently. Um, and you can create this code and then it will access your data and pull it into the software and output a graph. And so you literally just have to pull in the most recent data every year and it'll automatically create these graphs for us and tables too and models. Um, so it might be a lot of work up front, but in the end, it's really easy because you just it's just a click of a button every year. And that, and you can, you can share your code with other scientists. They can make sure that the data is accurate because they can just see it in the code. Um, and then, you know, if they're having to do similar analyses, they have your code. So they don't, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. So yeah. like you said, it, it really saves a lot of time. And so can you elaborate on that? Why is that creating your own code? I, I heard you, I guess my question is, why is creating your own code better than using Excel or, or an already out there program? And Just, I, you say that the data wouldn't, isn't always, doesn't always translate or maybe isn't correct sometimes? Well, yeah, so I guess... You know, if you're just going to create a spreadsheet and then share it with somebody, they can't actually see what data you've put in. They can't see how you came about um, creating these graphs, where if you're looking at the code, you can actually see each detail and how these graphs were created. Um, yeah, so that helps. So it, it, that's the information. Right. Exactly. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. No, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so and a lot of very times, important, especially today. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very. And and the nice thing is, you know, for at Fishing Game, we have biometricians that help us um, uh, with our biomass estimates and such. So we're out there researching. We put all the data together, and we might be running some models that they have created even. And um, so we always have oversight from much smarter people than ourselves, you know, that are just really into the statistics themselves. So um, they can double check that we're doing the right thing or um, just looking at our data to make sure it was put together correctly, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think that that's a really important aspect. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a short break here. Um, if you are just joining us, this is Summer Stream Live. 
a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Here we discuss a different topic each week with local experts. Today we are discussing coding and engineering with kids with Kelly Wood. At the end of the show, we'll have a trivia question with a chance to win a $20 gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. So stay tuned and be ready to call 772-3808 for your chance to win today. Now back to our discussion. So, um, what did you do in the coding club for kids last year? Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, if anyone's interested in looking at any pictures from our activities last year, you can search for um, the Petersburg, Alaska Girls Coding and Engineering Club on Facebook. And we documented every week's um, activities. So we met every Wednesday after school at the Studman Elementary School Library. Um, And some of our first projects were implemented through the National Girls Who Code curriculum, which of course involved coding. Um, they provided a five to 10 week curriculum, depending on how long the class was, but I really wanted to extend it past that curriculum because I felt it was really important for us to work together long-term and throughout the school year, just to build, you know, really positive relationships and, and learn how to help each other through a lot of these somewhat frustrating projects at times. Um, okay. And we, so in the beginning, we utilized this free program created by some super smart people at MIT called Scratch. And that was something that we did through the Girls Who Code curriculum. Um, Scratch is its own type of coding language, and it uses blocks of code. So you don't actually have to pull various words and characters together. It already had important blocks that you could just pull together. So it made it really easy to learn code and learn the concepts behind coding. And um, I even found it helpful for my own work, just learning the basics of coding. So I would really encourage people to check that out. Now, it seems like that program has been around for a very long time. It it could be. I just discovered it myself last year. (laughs) I remember my younger son, Uh, my oldest son, who's now 24, using that um, here at the library, actually. Chris Wise had offered a program for kids when he was a kid that utilized that program. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I I just want to reiterate, too, in this conversation, so these are third graders, third to fifth graders. Yes. That you're doing this with. That's right. Um, So tell us about some of the projects that you did. Um, So we uh, created some games and animated stories with Scratch. We also used an app called Hopscotch, and we programmed our own Frogger games. I don't know if anybody remembers Frogger from Mm -hmm. the 80s. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, it's the same sort of blocking, code blocking concepts. So it's very user-friendly. And then we also were able to use the district's uh, technology department's Spiros robots. So they're just basically robots that are in the shape of a ball, and you can code them to do different things. Again, it's with block coding. Um, So you can put these blocks of code, and you can make the robot go in circles or go straight. 
So it just kind of helps enforce those coding concepts. Um, and then we, so after the coding, uh, we reached the end of the curriculum with that. We switched gears and we started doing a little more hands-on activities. And so each participant was given a box or a bag of supplies and we worked together to figure out various engineering projects together. And so was and we it started that off the oh, go ahead. Oh, What's I'm that? sorry. Was it that open-ended with the projects that it was just this bag of stuff or was there an end project and product? We, it was typically we try to finish one project per class or per club meeting. So we had about 45 minutes. Some of it, <laughs> I might have um, pushed it a little too hard with some of these projects, but we, we definitely got through them. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah. So we started off with some electrical engineering. We learned about circuits. Um, we, used, we tried to use a lot of recycled materials to do these. Um, and we were able to build electrical cars for one one group meeting we made art bots wiggle bots uh, bug bots a lot of bots <laughs> we made a <laughs> bunch of different bots and that really helped us learn about uh, electrical engineering and okay we um switched gears pun intended <laughs> to learn about <laughs> hydraulics and we created hydraulic arms to pick things up with um, and we created a hydraulic bridge that went up and down and we did that by moving water being pushed. It was being pushed back and forth with syringes and tubing. So, I mean, it's just really basic stuff, but it really enforces real world um, engineering projects. So that was, I think that might've been the most fun project uh, was the hydraulic stuff because just to see something move like that was, was pretty neat. And so um, and that comes down to programming. Well, no, it doesn't. This, no, no programming. Right. We, um, all the engineering stuff was just hands-on activities. Okay. Just trying to problem solve, uh, with basic engineering. Like if something didn't move a certain way, we would talk about, okay, well, what can we do? to fix that. And I tried not to give them the answer. I wanted them to come up with um, the answer or, or help get somebody else in our group to help uh, figure it out. So it was a lot of team building, a lot of problem solving, and there was a lot of creative creativity involved in, in trying to get through some of these projects. The problem solving and creativity. The problem solving yeah, the, the aspect of that, the team building and the um, teaching kids how to work through solving problems. Um, can you talk a little bit about that as being part of that club? Yeah, so our club was more than just learning to code and doing engineering projects. Um, I think as kids start reaching middle school, um, you know, they... We really try to focus on working together and helping each other. A big part of our club was girls support girls. And, and that just basically means um, we're trying to work together to get through a common problem 
And I really wanted to focus on that because I think that will take them far moving on into middle school, because as we all know, middle school can be a really scary time. And I think that's when we really need to enforce teamwork and, um, and helping each other. And so I really, really wanted to enforce that for this age group. And you could really see it happening during our club hours. Um, you know, there was no negative talk aloud during our meetings. It was always positive, using specific words, um, and just basically encouraging each other and, um, and, and hopefully, and looking out for each other. And we would, it would allow us a time to talk about things that might be happening at school. Like if they were having issues with people, how, how would we figure out how to work through that uh, in the classroom? So, you know, it was great because we had about 18 girls and we're all coming up with ideas on how to help each other, how to stand up for each other. So it definitely went beyond just coding and engineering. It really was forming bonds with each other. So um, that was a really, I felt a great aspect of that club. Yeah. And thank you for elaborating on that. I yeah. feel like that's so important in, in, in creativity and new ideas and working together. Um, I feel like you almost have to have that. You do. Um, and supporting, you need support of others. You can't do everything on your own. Yeah. And that really was obvious during some of the projects. I mean, I really put these poor kids through a lot. And, you know, it was also a safe place because there were tears, probably from me too, (laughs) when things weren't working out. And to see them come together and work together to finish a project and just the pure joy you could see in their eyes, it, it just made everything worthwhile. Yeah, what an accomplishment. It definitely, yeah. Okay, I feel like we should start the trivia. Um, let's see. Um, do you want to read the trivia question? Or oh, go go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so Kelly came up with this great trivia question. So if you're just joining us, this is um, Summer Stream Live, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. And today we're talking with Kelly Wood about coding and engineering with kids. Um, so the trivia question for today, what is the name of the free block-based coding website created by MIT to encourage children to learn to code? And if you know the answer, call 772-3808 if you think you know the answer. And again, that question is, what is the name of the free block-based coding website created by MIT to encourage children to learn to code. And this program um, has been out there for a couple decades, I want to say. Nobody's calling in quite yet. 772-3808. Call on in if you know the answer. What's that question one more time? What is the name of the free block-based coding website created by MIT to encourage children to learn to code?
Okay, we have a caller coming in here on line one. What do you think, caller? I think it's code.org. No. Or that's one that, oh, that's what I have used before that is free for a little bit. Coding.org is, is not. I think it's just called code. C-O-D-E dot org. Nope, that's not the right answer. Okay. Thank we, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for trying. I'll keep listening. Okay, bye. So this, um, what is the name of the free block-based coding website created by MIT to encourage children to learn to code? Um, it has been around for a few decades, and um, yeah, it's, I would, and, and it's changed with time, too. I remember one of the things my son created with it was an animated story. Yeah, we did that in our club too. It was it was a lot of fun to see all the different stories. <laughs> and some of those are posted actually on our Facebook page too, if anybody wants to take a look at them. Can you tell us the name of that Facebook page again? Yeah, you bet. It is the Petersburg, Alaska Girls Coding and Engineering Club. Okay, so if you want to see the pictures of um, what the kids did this year. So why don't you tell us about some of the fun projects and resources um, for parents and educators to do with kids? Yeah, sure. So actually the caller, um, she mentioned coding.org, and I believe that is something that the school is working with. So they um, are definitely working on some coding in, in the elementary school right now. Um so for coding with elementary kids at school, uh, I would highly recommend starting with Scratch, <laughs> <laughs> which is something we've been talking about. Yes. Uh, they have great tutorials on their site that walk you through a ton of different projects like we were talking about. Um, they'll walk you through creating an animated story. You can play music on Scratch. You um, can create games, and there's also a lot of books that go with Scratch. So you can, um, there's so many different books you can buy to talk about different Scratch projects you should try. And so that would work really well for elementary school. Middle school students, I would look into learning Python, and you can do this with Raspberry Pi. And Kari, you have all these, these links and everything, but there's yeah. a link to Raspberry Pi page. And Raspberry Pi actually allows you to build your own computer and then um, use Python coding language to do various projects on Raspberry Pi. And they have a lot of really great resources and um, tutorials for that particular language. And the middle school kids can also look into Arduino, which I believe the, dis the school district, the technology department also uses. There might be some Arduino projects that middle school's playing with. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, but it also has its own coding language. And I believe there's some block coding with that one as well. 
Arduino is a good gateway to coding robotics. So that might be a really good option for middle school. Um, high school students, again, as, as I had mentioned earlier, if you have an interest in math or science, I would really, really strongly encourage you to look into learning R. Um, Python too, there's a lot of really um, cool things that Python can allow you to do with very, I mean, not even just math and science, probably anything really. Um, and again, R, it's a free software that you can get online and there are hundreds of resources for this program as well. Um, for fun engineering projects, I would say that YouTube was a great resource for me. You, <laughs> as I'm sure everybody knows YouTube is great. Um, you can search for building your own robots for kids, or you can search maker projects. I would also look for STEM inventions on YouTube. They, um, they have a really fun, well thought out projects on there. Um, our hydraulic projects came from there and the instructions are super easy to follow and they're just flat out fun to do. Nice. Um, my favorite engineering book was called Awesome Robotic Projects for Kids. And that's by Bob Katowicz. It's just a great book with great pictures and they're really easy to do, easy to follow. And, and the projects work. I just want to tell you that because we, we did a lot out of that book in our club last year. Um, for engineering projects, I would suggest you invest in some hot glue because everything was held together with hot glue in our club. Kind of became a running joke um, anyway. But, but I'd say... Ultimately, if you're coding with your kids or, or um, students or doing any of these engineering projects, just remember to remind them that mistakes happen. Nobody's perfect and you can get more done when you work together as a team. So those are the, the driving messages here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for that, Kelly. Um, this has been a really enlightening conversation for me. And um, we have right now at the library, I've, I've pulled all the coding and engineering books for children and also adults. And we have a lot of the maker books. We've got a couple of those and um, they're all on display um, at the library and, and can be checked out. And um, also the library started a new podcast where we're archiving all of these shows and that this show will be available on Monday on um the podcast and um, in the description to that podcast will be all of the resources that Kelly just named and more. So thank you for joining us, Kelly. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. And if anybody ever has questions, don't feel free, you know, or be, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to share. So. Great. Thank you to Kelly Wood for joining us today. Also to KFSK and friends of Petersburg library for making today's show possible. <laughs>